this is Chris Westfall, and this is the Financial Executive Podcast. Coming out of the past two years of economic uncertainty and entering an even greater period of economic uncertainty means that finance and human resources need to work more closely than ever to make sure the enterprise is staffed correctly for all possibilities. In this sponsored episode of the Financial Executive Podcast, we speak with Raymond Rashid, finance leader at Workday and Rex Blodgett, director of people analytics at Workday, regarding their approach to closely tying together finance and human resources for more effective planning. So I want to thank you both for for joining us today. Um, You know, really important discussion that we're going to have around um, the, the, the what's going on with finance. I mean, really the two really important issues that a lot of uh, corporates are dealing with today, which is, you know, um, finance and human capital and talent and, and how those interact and, um, you know, how those and what what the future looks like for them and how they interact in the future. So really appreciate you taking the time. Um, I wanted to start off, you know, these sort of discussions always like to start off with level setting about, you know, what we're talking about. So uh, Rex, I'll start with you. Maybe let's start with how human resources and finance have traditionally worked together uh, in the past. But you know, a little bit more importantly, how would you describe their relationship and how often they interacted historically between each other? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think, you know, historically, HR and finance typically can, can tend to, depending where you're at, work in, you know, major silos. Um, you know, supervisory organization, management hierarchies is really where HR professionals do most of their work and finance professionals really focus in on the cost center and the cost center hierarchy. Um, So, you know, that in itself breeds this this, uh, need to operate differently between, I would say, both organizations. Um, And then, you know, where you see HR and finance traditionally kind of interact together is really on an annual cycle, right? The leaders come together with the finance planners, you know, once a year for a month, two months, a quarter. And, you know, they basically propose or ask for, um, you know, headcount and budget for their teams. And, And oftentimes organizations have shifted. And so they're looking for an updated budget. And so, um, essentially, finance comes in, tells them what they have or what they don't have, um, and there's really kind of a you know negotiation or or conversation to really uh, fix into what that end up, that plan is going to be heading into the next fiscal year, um, and oftentimes these finance folks have to kind of translate what's happening in the business to what would then be visualized or planned for in the cost centers and the cost center structures. And so you're almost speaking different languages. And, and so there's some translation that, that has to go on. Um, you know, at least that's, that's been my experiences uh, with, with how those have traditionally uh, worked together. Ramon, is that, is that what your perspective is? Is that how they have traditionally 
function together? Yeah, no, I think I think Rex summarized it well. Okay, if I if I think back to my you know prior roles in FP&A as a finance business partner, I've gone to HR in a much more um, kind of reactive way, like Rex mentioned, you know, reactive to a budget cycle or updated forecast, asking for you know more recent data on headcount or asking for you know. Uh, views on, you know, org shape or design, you know, levels of, of, of folks that we should have within certain organizations and just more around headcount planning on a much more ad hoc basis. And I think that has traditionally been my interaction with HR. And, and, and again, it's, it's definitely um, kind of synced with the, the traditional budget planning forecasting cycles in much more ad hoc. Yeah, and I want to follow up on that, Ramon, because uh, I would assume that, you know, the pandemic upended a lot of traditional corporate practices across the board. But how did it change the way financial leaders think about staffing and resources and interacting with human resources? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, what, what I noticed as, you know, a, a financial planner is that the the old ways of planning just sort of went out the window when the pandemic hit, and particularly sort of in the middle of the pandemic when you had uh, you know this this kind of changing shift in the labor dynamics where you know folks were now you know flush with opportunities to move around and switch jobs, and you had a lot of attrition at companies, and so what you were seeing is just a historically. Uh, challenging environment, both keeping the people that you had, as well as trying to attract and, and, you know, bring new talent to the organization. You had bidding wars with other companies and bidding wars for your own talent. And so it just, you know, it required you to really step into more real-time data. Like no longer could you make general assumptions about what my historical attrition rate was, and no longer could you make uh, old assumptions or static assumptions around how quickly it's going to take me to onboard new employees. And so it really created this need to look at more real-time data and to more continuously plan and forecast. And that in, a, in and of itself really required a new relationship with my HR partners because now I had to I had to think about the quantitative aspects of, of what attrition, onboarding, recruiting bandwidth looked like, but I also had to think about and learn about, you know, the qualitative aspects. So, you know, what was the job climate like and how, how difficult is it to recruit new employees and what are we doing on the retention and recruiting front? And then there was all these diversity and inclusion initiatives that became front and center. And how does that impact my planning forecast and my abilities to plan correctly? And so, yeah, the pandemic just really sort of upended, um, a lot of the traditional corporate practices, a lot of the traditional assumptions that would typically work, you know, and, and, and more or less keep you on track. Those all went out the window uh, in the pandemic. Did it become, uh, I guess, more focused or it seems like there's a lot of data sources that you need to think about uh, from a, from the finance side, putting this together. Yeah, yeah, it, it became more data driven for sure. You know, looking at uh, your attrition in real time, comparing that to your peers and, and your industry and comparing that to uh, other industries to see how you, you know, how you ranked and how you were trending. Um, it required you to look at your, your time to onboard and how quickly you could bring people. And, 
and also looking at your your recruiting and talent acquisition bandwidth. You know, how many recruiters do you have? How long does it take them to ramp up when they're new? How many recs can they close in a month? Like all of that was changing every single week for that matter and during the pandemic. And so you no longer could rely on old and static data. It really forced us to take a much more data-driven real-time approach to, to managing our business. Rex, I wanted to ask you about a point on the other side of it, which is the human resources side. How did they have to change the way they think about information? And we talked about data, but and and feeding that data or giving assistance to the finance team. Yeah, I think Ramon put it really nicely. What it did for HR and sounds like for finance too is really uncovered that a lot of the problems you're trying to solve are the same, you know, you work for the same company, you're all dealing with the same kinds of issues. And so no longer can you deal in those silos that we were just talking about. I think from the HR side, you know, you're really looking at finance to provide the, you know, an updated plan on a more, you know, iterative, uh, timely process. You're going to have to adjust the plan. You're going to have to adjust the forecast based on that plan. Um, and that can't happen on a yearly basis anymore. Um, it can't even happen on a quarterly basis anymore. It really has to, to happen uh, a lot a lot quicker than that and a lot more iteratively. Um, so I think, you know, it's just a process of understanding, uh, you know, what those data changes are and then how to communicate that back to leadership and back to the HR partners, um, you know, effectively you know, hiring stops, it slows down, it increases, now we're in growth, right? And that can all happen over the course of, as we saw with the pandemic, a number of months. Um, and then you've got the economy going crazy, up, down, big swings. And so those all have just gigantic impacts on what we're doing company-wide. Um, and therefore, you know, just really emphasizes the need for both human resources and finance to stay in tight partnership. And you can't just do the once a year planning cycle anymore or the every quarter update the plan. It has to be something that's happening, happening organically and iteratively. In a world that's always changing, one thing never does. Your need to adapt, your need to evolve, your need to grow. That's why we built Workday, a single finance, HR, and planning system that can change as your needs change and evolve as the world evolves. To learn how Workday is helping large and mid-sized organizations embrace the future with confidence, visit us at Workday.com. Workday for a changing world. Yeah, and it sounds like there's going to be a, a bit of in infrastructure that needs to be developed around this from a technology standpoint. So maybe Rex, you know, what role does technology play in this relationship, saying in between corporate, and, I mean, um, human resources and finance? You know, how, I, I guess a better way to put it is how does this partnership extend into corporate tech leadership? Well, I couple of great examples. I mean, we're in the middle of a transformation right now where, you know, historically we've had the finance team lead our headcount planning reports, dashboards, analytics, and, you know, people analytics, HR reporting, you know, they lead attrition, headcount, 
um, talent, you know, really that talent planning side of the house, but those are integrated and they're highly reliant upon each other because you're essentially doing the same thing just with a different, you know, mindset um, overlaying that. So we're in the middle of this transformation right now where people analytics uh, and, you know, in partnership with finance is revamping our management reporting dashboards where we do our headcount planning um, and uh, where we visualize the plan for leadership so they can stay up to date on what's happening throughout the year, uh, you know, in their organizations with relationship to the plan and to the forecast. So that's a pretty, that's a pretty, you know, um, transform, transformative change uh, to have an HR team, you know, lead the change for a, you know, really a kind of a finance based dashboard. And so it just shows there how, you know, integrated these processes and teams have become. And I don't think that is going to change at all. It's, it's not like we're just going to make an update and uh, do away with it. We're, we're going to be highly involved from here on out, you know, maintaining this dashboard suite. And then, you know, other examples, I think, because um, technology is absolutely pivotal to doing this. We uh, have created this projection, uh, this model that projects uh, attrition, uh, hiring, internal mobility, uh, future uh, looking. And essentially what it does is it takes the actuals, historicals that have happened. Uh, and then, you know, within the current quarter, what terminations have been put into the system that have a future date on them and says, okay, based on what's happened in history and what's what's in the system already, here's what we're going to project out for the next quarter. And then what we're going to project out for the next 18 months. So, you know, very useful for us as we're getting into the planning process, because you can't just rely on what's already been entered into the system, right? There's, there's all this unknown that's happening. And if we can actually put a model around that, um, you know, we can be really successful. Our models, 30 days, you know, beginning of the quarter, something like 95% accuracy with these models, 30 days into the quarter, it's like 99.3% accurate uh, for the rest of the quarter. So it's not like we're kind of ballparking, we're getting very accurate projections with these HR metrics that have direct impact on the future budget. So some great stuff happening there. And then finally with that use case, we're uh, routing that back into a Slack chat that actually updates on a daily basis so people analytics, HR partners, finance planners can all have a daily update of how many terminations are coming through the system, how many hires are, are coming through the system, and then the projections for those metrics for the rest of the quarter. So I think highly impactful. We've seen this, um, you know, uh, take hold in the finance teams. We've also have it in our workforce planning tool, Adaptive Insights. We have those data points also integrated there. So when finance planners are doing their planning, when they're updating these numbers, they can go take a look at what those projections are in the system. So really integrating the data throughout the business processes is key to, to making these things happen. And I mean, we're, we're in the middle of a lot of it. We've done some of it. Uh, we're in the middle of it and then there's more to come. So um, long answer there, but uh, that, that's where technology plays a part, at least for us. No, that makes sense. And uh, I guess one follow up to that, I mean, you know, every uh, project has a 
uh, well, not not every project. Most projects have a beginning, middle, and end. What what are you seeing as far as you know time to you know uh, put implement one of these systems or, or turn that transformation, or is it, can you even quantify it like that? We did that uh, that modeling and and the integrating rather quickly. It was within a quarter. Um, you, know, you just have to decide on the model that you're using and the avenue for which you're going to communicate that out for your end users. But you know, talk to any data scientist. That's that's a pretty easy model, I think, to create. It's just how you're communicating it, getting you know your users to sign off that it that it actually works and and they're comfortable with the projections it's making. And it can be a pretty quick turnaround from a management from the dashboard side of the house. That first bit I was talking about with the um, revamping the dashboards, that's actually going to be a relatively quick phase one of that project too. We started discovery in August um, and September with some focus groups with finance planners and business leaders, uh, you know, what works, what doesn't work, what do they need? Um, so, Couple months of survey questions, focus groups, really just in the discovery phase, and we're just starting the build phase after a couple of weeks of architecture. Um, we really want to build out the the new dashboard in the next six or so weeks, um, and then to go live with it at the beginning of next next fiscal year once the plan uh, is locked into place. So relatively quick turnaround, I think. Hopefully, have some um, you know some some major impact on on both teams. Yeah, and I think I mean I guess timing is everything in a lot of these decisions and implementations. And and Ramon, I wanted to get a little bit into timing, but more on the macro level because you know with the pandemic and the resulting changes in the workplace, the past few years have been really focused. There's you know a, a constant drumbeat around the war for talent and you know the the you know the difficulty in recruiting and and um, but now we're sort of entering, for lack of a better phrase, some economic uncertainty, right? Where you know, your priorities change in, in staffing and uh, workforce changes. How does HR and finance need to work together as these paradigms shift and work into a new paradigm? Yeah, I think, I think the framework is still the same, right? It's, it's, it's looking at your data in more real time and analyzing trends so that you can get to that 99% forecast accuracy that Rex describes that you know where we are at Workday. And, I, and so I think the framework still holds. Your assumptions change, right? Because now, you know, workers are cautiously, you, know, you still see some attrition, but it's cautious attrition and you still see some mobility and onboarding challenges, but it's it's less prevalent, but it's still there, right? And a lot of the problems and issues are gonna continue to, you know, be there, just maybe in a in a different volume. And so I think you, you know, you continue to partner and look at data um, and integrate that across your various systems like we do here at Workday. Um, and, and that gets you to your 99 plus percentage forecasting accuracy. Now, um, you know, I think, I think there's going to be new challenges that are going to come up too that we don't know about, and that's just going to create the need for HR and finance to be attached at the hip. And a lot of the same issues, challenges that were present during the pandemic are still going to be there. As I mentioned, you're still going to have attrition and, and retention issues, but the diversity and inclusion 
initiatives are top and center for every company and how do you recruit, um, you know, and reach out to the right demographics and recruit in a, in a meaningful way that represents that diversity. I mean, all of that is still going to be there. And so, you know, partnering with HR to strategically solve these problems, I, I don't think that that goes away. So that's what I mean by I think the framework stays the same. Maybe some of the, the challenges and problems shift and the volume changes a little bit. Um, but I think you, you you fundamentally keep intact your approach. Yeah, and it's just a little follow-up to that. I mean, just thinking about it from the, I guess, from leadership perspective, like you you have leaders using the dashboard. Is is their use, is this a, for lack of a better phrase, easy ROI sell to leadership? Do they see the value, you know, how do they see the value in this? Well, I think I think when they, you know, you, you can measure it almost tangibly when you're hitting your forecast with 100% near 100% accuracy. Mm-hmm. You know, I in my prior life, you know, when we were forecasting headcount, for example, which happened to be our biggest expense on the PNL, we we oftentimes got it wrong, yeah. and sometimes in a way that was you know coming in under the budget because we weren't able to fill seats as fast as we thought we could, and that took away investment opportunities mm-hmm. in initiatives that would drive top line growth. And that was, a, you know, that is a measurable impact and negative measurable impact to the business. Right. And so it's so important to get your forecasting accuracy down so that the business decisions that you're making are the right ones with the right investment envelope that you have. And if you get it wrong on either end of the coin, if you're over your budget, that's not a good outcome. Right, because then you've got to start shifting dollars around from other areas of your PL. Uh, and if you are coming in under your budget, you could have been investing in things that drive top line growth. So it's a very easy sell, I think, to leadership to say, hey, look, like we can get our budgets down, you know, to, to a to a tenth of a degree of, of accuracy. And that means that the decisions you're making today are the right, you know, th- those are the you're making that with the most informed set of decisions. And when you review your expenses and you review your actuals, like it's an afterthought in terms of how your variances are looking at, you can actually focus on running your business. I want to sort of, I'm sorry, did you want to add something? Yeah, no, that, that's, that's it. Okay, great. Um, yeah, I, I really, this is super important and, and especially for FEI's membership to understand. I, I wanted to, ask both of you and, and maybe as sort of as a summary, what do you consider the keys to success going forward in this relationship between finance and human resources and, and sort of the processes you have put together to make them, I guess, work better? I don't yeah, know. If, uh, I think I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I'll start. You know, I think, I think it's, um, again, it's, it's, it's making sure you have the right framework in place, which is, you know, HR and finance need, need to be attached at the hip. Um, they need to be t- tackling these problems together. Uh, you know, you should have a data-driven approach where, you know, you're looking at, at metrics in real time, you're analyzing trends, uh, and you're able to predict with, with better forecasting accuracy, and you're finding a way to integrate that across your multiple systems and platforms like we do here at Workday. We've got the ability to weave these dashboards into adaptive and give updates in Slack and, you know, tie it back to, you know, Tableau data internally. And so all of that is integrated and it gives us the stronger ability to continuously plan 
in a way that you know moves the needle for our business and our PL. And so I think that framework is really critical going forward. Right, right. right. So, yeah. yeah. Anything else that yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I'll second what Ramon said about being attached to the hip for the kind of implementation of the some of those first uh, use cases for modeling and just really aligning on our strategic workforce planning initiative early on. We met weekly for you know like eighteen months. It's crazy, but uh, but <laughs> it helped. And um, simple stuff like that, where you know you're. To, to Ramon's point, setting the architecture up uh, and the approach to be, you know, joint at the hip. I think the other piece is, you know, thinking about this in a proactive versus a reactive setting. Um, you can't just sit and react to what happens. You have to start putting some processes in place to try to understand what's going on and what is what is to come. Um, you know, we have employee sentiment that's highly uh, useful to us where we can understand in, in different organizations, how are people feeling, um, you know, exit survey responses, why are people leaving, uh, doing certain things where you can start to get a pulse on what's happening on the people side, sending that to your finance folks. And then on the finance side, when you have adjustments when you're making these real-time uh, changes to the plan, you know, we have to communicate that, you know, back the other way. So it's staying attached at the hip, being proactive, um, and, you know, it, kind of going back to the technology uh, question, you know, I would say know who your audience is and know who you're delivering data, insights, technology solutions for. Um, you know, oftentimes you can just create a visual or a piece of data uh, and just send it. And you, you have to provide context and you also have to know who you're going to. If you're going to your finance planner, that's different than your business leader. That's also different than your executive. So it's a persona-based approach for uh, whatever you're delivering. And um, I would say that's, that's another piece of, of the pie. Terrific. That's, it's been a great conversation. I want to thank you both for taking the time of speaking with us today. Thanks so much. Appreciate you having us. Thank, thank you. you.